0: this is what it says. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, that means life with God. It's not talking about heaven. It's not talking about some place that you go when you die. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So very short parables. We'll mainly focus in on this one, though they are, they are very similar. And, and here's the first thing that we look at. Where is joy found? It's because Jesus says that this guy goes into this field and he finds this treasure right? And he says it's in a field, and he says that there's this great treasure that's found, but what's interesting is he says it's in a field. So it's just kind of sitting out there in the middle of nowhere, and there's both of these stories side by side. One of the guys is actively looking, right? He's a pearl merchant, and he's actively looking for better pearls. The other guy is just kind of wandering around. It doesn't say he's a treasure hunter. It doesn't say he has his uh, little metal detector thing. He's just kind of wandering around in the field. And so from these parables, from these stories, we see this, that we are all, some of us kind of aimlessly wandering around and some of us actively searching, but we're all looking for joy. We're all looking for treasure, for value, not necessarily money. I mean, treasure in the story doesn't necessarily represent actual money, but it it represents, we're all looking for value. We're all looking for joy. We're all looking for something that we can say, yes, this is what I'm looking for in my life, right? That's what we're all, we're all on a search. We're all on a hunt for happiness, for life, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. That's every single one of us, no matter what we do, everything we do in life is towards that end. I mean, everything you do. Blaise Pascal famously said, he was a um, teacher and author a and, um, long, long, long time ago, and he said this. He said that every, and this is not an exact quote, it's my paraphrase of him, but he says, everything we do is for happiness. The same reason that some go to war and there's some reason that some stay home. There's some reason that some kill themselves and that some want to live fully. I mean, it's all for the same thing. It's all for happiness. It's all this pursuit of we want satisfaction, life, fullness, joy. And so Jesus tells a story of one guy that kind of stumbles upon that and one guy that's actively looking for that. But what's interesting is that Jesus says it's often missed, Right? I mean, we all we all have a, a longing for that, a desire for that, a search for joy, for fulfillment, and yet it's often missed. Maybe you get it for a little bit, you snatch on to a moment of it, and then it's gone. Maybe you, maybe you have it, just a taste of it. You experience a little bit of joy, a little bit of fulfillment, a little bit of satisfaction, a little bit of, yes, I hope this is what life is about, and then it's gone. I mean, the most clear thing of that is a vacation, right? You, you get it for a week, or two weeks, then it's gone. And you go, man, that was so great, and I've got to wait a year for that again. I'm going to quit my job, okay? I mean, that's, there's this longing, this desire, this search for joy, for fulfillment. And Jesus says that we're all searching for that, and yet oftentimes it's missed. And what he says life with God is like is that many people just see a field, so Jesus says, life with God, the kingdom of heaven, under, so kingdom of heaven is with living your life in relationship with God, with Jesus as king, under his rule, under his reign, that's what all that means. He says that it's like a field. Now that, that doesn't seem that appealing or attractive, right? To say, you know what life with God is like? A field. So, you know, the weather here has been crazy recently, and my wife hates it. If you've talked with her for you know, 30 seconds, you know that. And, uh, <laughs> it's, and it's horrible. I mean, it's, I, I don't mind a, you know, a few days of it, but it's, it's getting crazy. This is like Seattle. This is what Seattle's like, if anyone ever wonders, right? Which is where we are from previously. And so we were looking at, um, she's got this weather app that you can see like the Doppler stuff of like where the front is moving and where it is. And we were like, okay, is there anywhere we can go in Colorado where there's no rain? So we're like zooming in, like, okay, we can, and I was like, what, maybe we can go to Fort Collins, no, okay, it's, no, well, we can go south, down to the springs, no, there's like hail warnings over there, okay, what's west, no, west, there's all, and, and I asked her, I was like, what's east? I was like, what, what's east? <laughs> and you know what's east? Here's what's east, this, this is from Google Maps, this is Strasbourg. she says, Strasbourg is east, and I was like, what's Strasbourg? This is it. If you ever wanted to know what Strasbourg is, I think that might be a building, okay? This is Strasbourg from Google Maps. And Jesus says that's what life with God is like. It's like Strasbourg, it's like a field, it's like a big empty field. And so, this is what this means. We're all in this search for joy, we're all in this hunt for joy, for life, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. And people often look at life with God and go, keep driving. Now, what do you do in Strasbourg? Nothing, right? You keep driving. That's what you do in Strasbourg. You just keep going. Jesus says, that's what life with God is like. It's like this field that people on their hunt for joy, that people on their their pursuit of joy look at, and from the outside, it doesn't look like anything. It's often passed by, it's often ignored, it's often missed. I was talking to a guy this week also that told me he does uh, this kind of thing, but for the government where they, you know, um, like this is old, but 24 and things like that when they look at the satellite imagery and and that kind of thing and they can see. he, He does that for his job, okay? And he said that, and you wouldn't think this, but all throughout Montana and Wyoming, and other, there's nukes just buried in fields like this. I mean, they're not just like under there. I mean, there's like actual bases and stuff. But there's, he says you'll be driving by just a random field in Montana and there's nukes under there. Maybe in Strasbourg too, who knows. I mean, that, But you, you just drive by and there's nukes under there. And same thing, that's what Jesus is saying. He says the kingdom of God, life with me, is like a field and you don't understand that underneath there's something that has the power to actually change the world. Like you, you just drive by and it looks like it's just an empty field. And this is... I mean, I've talked with many people, and some of you, that you would probably say that was your experience previously to becoming a Christian, or maybe if, even if you're still just kind of checking things out, that you've heard, of, you'd, I mean, you live in America, you you'd heard about Jesus, you would heard about Christianity, maybe you've even cracked open the Bible, maybe, maybe even grew up in church, but just kind of passed by, like, okay, that's it. Nothing to see here. Keep on going. But then something happened, or something maybe even is beginning to happen, that you go, wait a minute, it seems like there's something in this field. See, It just looks like a field from the outside, and it just looks like Strasbourg. but maybe underneath, maybe there is something here. And that's what Jesus, I mean, it's really interesting that that's what Jesus says life with God is like. It's like this big empty field. But so often missed, so often overlooked, so often dismissed, so often ignored because it's not appealing, it's not sexy, it's not exciting. There there might just be something underneath that actually has the power to change your entire world, like a nuke in Montana. This is what Jesus says life with God is like. And then he says that it costs something. So it's not just that it's this open field, it's that there was something in the field, right? There's something in the field. There's a treasure in the field. So Jesus says, life with God is often overlooked. It's often missed. From the outside, it doesn't look like anything necessarily very appealing or very exciting or very enticing. And many people, I'm sure, I mean, in the story, you know, it's just a couple lines, but many people walked by that field. Many, 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 many times. But that's not it. Jesus says, when it's found, when it's found, it costs everything to get. So the guy finds this treasure and then sells everything he has to get it, right? I mean, it says he sold everything that he had. Or with the guy and the pearls, he sells all his pearls to get the one great pearl. But it cost everything. And this is what Jesus says over and over again in his teaching. This is a this is a story, but over and over again in Jesus' teaching, he says things like, pick up your cross and follow me, which means, come die. Come die with me. Or he says things like, lay down your life. Or he says things like this, and you know, I don't have time to get into all this, but he says things like, if anybody doesn't hate His mother and father, he can't follow me. He doesn't want people to actually hate people, but it's this saying, it's it's this extremeness of, in comparison, the love for me. If anyone's not willing to give up everything that he has and come after me, he's not worthy of me. I mean, he says things like this all the time, that the parable of the guy finding the stuff in the field, what happens? The guy finds this stuff, and it says he sold everything that he had. So there's this intensity where Jesus always is saying, to follow me, you have, it, what does it cost you? What does it cost to follow Jesus? Everything. I mean, it's everything. It's a whole life reorientation. So there's things that once we believed, I mean, think about, think about just your entire life, okay? There's things that we believe. There's things that we, we believe to be true, whether because we were raised with them or we've studied them in school or we've um, just read them in magazines or we've just, just developed ideas. We don't know. I mean, just, we just have thoughts and things that we believe and think and feel, right? And then when you come to Jesus... He says, you've got to be willing to lay it all on the table. There's certain things that you believed that I'm going to change. And then there's some things that we do, that we like to do. And, and Jesus says, you've got to lay it on the table. Everything. There's some things that we do before Jesus. And then Jesus says, no, life with me, we don't do that. Or there's certain things that we think or, or plans we have or goals we have. Certain plants, certain things, maybe even for a long time, that we thought I'm, I'm going to do this, and Jesus says, "Look, to follow me, you got to put it all on the table. You got to be willing to give it all up, cost everything, because it's a whole life reorientation. It's not, it's not an addition. Okay, I know probably most of you have joined some sort of club, whether that's." Um, a gym or a bowling league or a softball league or a running league. You've joined probably some sort of club. If you haven't, you should because it's fun. But that's just an addition to your life, right? Like if you join a club, that's just an addition. That's just, okay, I'm, I'm doing this now on the side. It doesn't change your entire life. And a lot of times I think we treat Jesus like that, or or Christianity like that, that, okay, I'm living my life, I'm doing my thing, and it would be nice to have an extracurricular activity of Jesus. That sounds good. It'll add some sort of value to my life. It'll add some sort of help to my life. It'll add some sort of benefit to my life. So we kind of look at Jesus as a person that can benefit our life. Maybe for loneliness, Jesus will help me not be lonely. Maybe for guilt, feel guilty about things, maybe Jesus can help me with that. Maybe for comfort, we're suffering, we're struggling, maybe Jesus can help me with that. And I'm not saying Jesus doesn't do that, okay? I think Jesus is a great comforter, and he's a great healer, and he relieves our guilt. He does all of that, okay? But a lot of times we have this kind of, I'm going to come to Jesus to help me With my life. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, Coming to me, I redefine your life. I'm not an addition to your life. I'm not just somebody that gives you some positive things for your life. I you have to lay down your life. In the story, the guy sells everything. That means he has nothing now, right? He gets everything is gone. So in that moment, I mean, think about today: if you literally sold everything that you have owned, you liquidate it all car, golf clubs, house, footballs, sports equipment, whatever. I'm just thinking of random things, okay? Just anything that you would use. Any, I mean, all, all your clothes except for whatever is on your body. I mean, all, all your gadgets and, and toys and, and phone. And, I mean, you, I mean, you're just kind of a new person at that point, right? I mean, everything is gone. That's a redefinition then of life. Some people do that, right? Some people say, I want to reinvent myself. And they like quit everything, change everything, move to a new city, get a new haircut, get a new, I mean, just whoom, completely different. That's what Jesus is saying. That life with him is not an addition. It's not we come to Jesus and he helps us with our, with our life. It's he says, hand over your life to me. I'm going to redefine it. I'm going to remake it. Sometimes we come to Jesus because, like the man in the field, we want treasure. And we believe Jesus will help us get our treasure. So that's not the same thing. So in the story, Jesus is the treasure. But sometimes we come to Jesus and we look at him more like a shovel buddy. So, hey, there's some treasure I want. Maybe, it's a spou- Maybe you're single and, and it's a spouse. Maybe Jesus can help me get that. Hey, Jesus, come help me dig in the field. Or maybe it's um, respect from people. Maybe you want respect from people and you feel like if you walk with Jesus and Jesus kind of helps you become a more respectable person, that you'll get respect from people. So Jesus is kind of out in the field helping you dig to be able to get this treasure of people respecting you. Or maybe it is anything. Riches, you feel like he can help you actually get rich. There's whole churches that teach that kind of thing. Maybe it's just to be a moral, maybe it's just to be a better person. A lot of people come to Jesus because they feel like, I'm not a good person. I need him to help me be a good person. So really, the treasure is morality and being a good, upstanding person. And so Jesus help me dig to get this treasure. So there's all sorts of ways that we come to Jesus to get something else to get something from him what is your treasure what's your treasure what would you so like the guy in the story what would you sell everything for I mean, literally, if you had the power to get whatever it was, maybe it's a person or an experience or a feeling to be liked, to be respected, to be married, to, be, to have kids, to, to be successful, what, what would you sell everything to get? What would it be? A lot of times we say, Jesus, you might be a helpful shovel buddy to help me get that. And what Jesus says is, what does it cost? What does life with God cost? It cost everything. This guy sold everything that he had. Everything he had. And what would have happened? What do, you think, what do you think his friends and family would have thought of him? I mean, they would have thought he was nuts, right? Like, wait a minute. You're selling everything you have to buy a field to buy in Strasbourg? And they thought they would have thought he was crazy, right? I mean, think about as he's selling everything he has and he gets rid of he gets rid of his car and they I mean, they didn't have cars back then, but he gets rid of his camels. Okay? Or whatever he had. People, are you crazy? You're going to have to walk everywhere. And he gets rid of all of the robes he had, all the clothes he had, and they say, "Are you crazy? You're always going to look the same now. People are going to think you're really weird. No one's going to like you. No one's going to I mean, to, to sell every everybody in his life would have been saying, you are crazy. So Jesus says that life with God cost everything. So like for this man in the story, he gave up everything he had. Or in other things that Jesus says, it's lay it all down. Die. Come follow me. So, that's a question we have to ask ourselves. If that's what life with God is like, is that, is that what's happening? Or are we hanging on to other things and saying, I want some of the coins from the treasure. I mean, probably not coins if it's that valuable, but I want some of the stacks of cash from this treasure box, but I also want to, I don't want to sell everything. I mean, there's probably things in your life that you go, man, Jesus, I want to give this up, but I don't want to give this up. So it'd be like the guy saying, I want to sell this camel, but I don't want to sell my house. I want to sell, I I, I gotta, I've got all of these good things. I don't want to sell those things, but I'll sell this thing. And that we kind of bartering system. I want some of that treasure, but I also want to keep this. And Jesus says it costs everything. But that's not it, right? And the story doesn't end there. Because what what do we gain? Jesus says life with God is often like a field that's easily missed. People are some people like the guy in the pearls. They're actively searching for something good. Some people are just wandering around. But regardless, it's something that's often missed something that people often pass over. Life with God is like that. And yet, if you find it, it's something that will cost you everything. It's not an addition to your life. It's not something you add on. It's not something that Jesus helps you to get. Life with God is something that literally costs you everything, that redefines your life, everything. But what do we get? Because Jesus doesn't say life with God is like a big empty hole you put all your money in. He doesn't say life with God. He doesn't even say this. And sometimes we might think like this life with God is like this selfless act of service. Being a a Christian is like a life of selfless service. That's not what he says. He says that the man finds treasure. So it cost him everything, right? But what do we gain? What does he say life with God is like? He says it's a treasure. He says, It is a treasure. The guy sold. So the guy gives up everything, but for a treasure, right? He gives. He he sacrifices everything. He puts it all on the line. He gives up all of it to get a treasure of great value, to get a pearl of great price, the most valuable of all. So that's not just sacrifice. This is what Jesus says all the time. So he says things like, lay down your life. And when you lose your life is when you actually find it. He tells a a rich young ruler, sell everything you have and come follow me. And you'll have riches and reward in heaven. I mean, he's always saying things like, lay down your life to truly find it. You have to die to really live. You have to lose to really find. And so it's the same thing. This guy sells everything he has to get a treasure. So did he make a sacrifice? Kinda. Did he lose something? Kinda. But I mean, imagine if you had cancer, and you had to sell a good chunk of what you had, or you had to liquidate all your retirement or savings to get treatment that would heal you. Is that a sacrifice? Kind of, but for something much, much better, right? Several years ago, I was, um, we didn't we didn't own a TV and um when we first got married and or even before that and I wanted a big TV and um I didn't have money to buy the TV so I just said what I'm going to do is I'm just going to save whatever 10 dollars from my grandma whatever you know Christmas present I don't want and I'll take it back so you know maybe we'll mute this part but you know if uh <laughs> if uh you know, I, I got, Sarah's parents, hi, I, Tom, if you're listening, Sarah's parents, uh, you know, they, they bought like, a, what was it, a flip cam, which nobody needs a flip cam if you have an iPhone. I mean, I don't need to carry a flip cam and an iPhone in each pocket, you know, so I don't, I don't need a flip cam, but it costs like 200 bucks, so just take that back. That went on a Costco gift card. I mean, just, I was always taking things back for literally about four years. So saving $5 from grandma here, $10 from this thing, flip cam here, fleece sweater here, just, you know, just taking, take it back, take it back, take it back, take it back. And then was able to, with all of that money, buy a TV. And um, if somebody said, man, you made such a sacrifice, you gave up that flip cam, such sacrifice, <laughs> I mean, I would say, no, it wasn't, right? I was willing to give all that up because I had a treasure of my TV, right? So the point of this story is not to go buy a TV, but the point of the story is it's not actually a sacrifice. It's not actually, I mean, this guy didn't really sacrifice anything, right? I mean, he did for about 10 minutes. For about 10 minutes, he was the poorest man in his city, and then As soon as he made the deal and bought the field, he was the richest man and had the treasure, right? And this is what Jesus says life with God is like. That What will it cost you? Everything. What do you have to give? Your very life. What does it mean to be a Christian? It's not that you add Jesus onto your life. It's not some tack on. It's not some addition. It's not some club. It's not some group. It's not some additional morality. It's you come to Jesus and say, My life is yours. Define me. Redefine me. Everything I think, feel, do, plan, everything, I'm yours. And do you lose in that? No. He says, You get a treasure you get a treasure. See, this is what's different. This is what's different about um, Christianity than many other things. It's, it's, not, it's not just an irreligious do-whatever-you-want thing. It's not, hey, there's, there's many treasures out there. Just do whatever feels good to you. Just find life wherever you want to find it. If it's in this field, great. If it's this field, great. It's not that. Okay? It's not just kind of this, do whatever you like, everybody's on a search, everybody's on a, on a path, and wherever you find it, great. That's not what Jesus says. He says, we all have a longing, we all have a searching, and we may go after it in many places and feel unsatisfied, because that's what many people do, right? They go, I want life, I want fulfillment, I want satisfaction, I want joy. Pursue, 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 and never full, never satisfied. So it's not that, it's not just, hey, go go, do what makes you happy, it's not that, but it's also not this moral religiosity that is, if you follow Jesus, you're a good person. See, sometimes people say things like, I could never be a Christian, I'm just not, I'm not like that, I'm not some good religious kind of person, I'm not, that's just not me, because what they're envisioning is, it's this high moral standard, and I could never, I'm, I'm just not in that club. And so what that can mean sometimes is if you are a Christian or if you've been a Christian for a while, sometimes it can feel like, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's a very noble thing I've done to live my life as a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you're not doing anything noble by being a Christian. You're not doing anything for God by being a Christian. You're not doing anything that makes you good by being a Christian. What Jesus says, life with God is like, is we are given something. Like, we can't say, well, yes, look, I'm a Christian, so therefore I'm in this upper echelon class. I'm a Christian, so I've done, so that means that I've, I've got marks on my, my, my belt of good things now. The people that are Christians are the ones that say, I've been given something. I've been given a treasure. I mean, this guy couldn't go around town afterwards, after everybody knew, okay? After he has the treasure now, and he's kind of like, ha-ha, look, I've, I tricked you. And so Jesus is also, you know, he's not recommending we do shady business deals like this guy did, because he didn't obviously tell the guy who owned the field, I found a treasure in your field, um, But afterwards, so after he's got this treasure and all of a sudden people look at his life and whatever he did with the treasure, he's got a palace and he's got all these things. He couldn't go around town saying, wasn't I so noble that I sold everything I had? Wasn't I so honorable that I gave it all up? That I lived such a sacrificial life? Wasn't, Wasn't I so great? He couldn't say that. Everyone would look at him and go, that guy is lucky, right? That's what they would say. They wouldn't think he was noble and honorable and moral. They would go, That guy is lucky. That's what Jesus is saying. If we ever have a spirit, if you're a Christian and you ever have this spirit that is like, as me as a Christian means that I am this wonderful person and I'm doing such an awesome thing, then Jesus says we're missing it. Because he says being a Christian, life with God is that you've been given treasure that you lucked out that you were given grace, that you were blessed beyond what you could have imagined. And yes, it cost you everything. But you gained way more than that. You lost the flip cam and got the TV. Okay. Flip cam, TV. A lot different, right? That's what Jesus says it's like. I'm sorry if you have a flip cam. I'm not trying to offend you. But welcome to 2015. <clears throat> okay. I'm also sorry if you don't have a TV. Um, that's what Jesus says. The catch is, you have to lose everything to gain everything, though, right? Right? The catch is you have to be willing to say, I lay it all down to get that treasure. That's the catch. The guy would have never gotten the treasure if he just said, "Ah, I don't want to give up everything. Jesus's point is you're not really giving up everything because you're gaining everything, but the catch is the guy actually had to sell everything. He had to give it all up. And if you're not a Christian today, and you're here and you're exploring Jesus and, and you're curious about Jesus and you're asking questions about Jesus, what it means is that maybe you've walked by that field a dozen times. Maybe you've opened the Bible. Maybe you've come to church. Maybe, maybe this is a day where you're walking by the field. You're kind of checking things out. Is there anything in here? And, and Jesus would just say, yeah, it's going to cost you everything. He would say, Take a second look at the field. Maybe there's something in that field that you didn't see before, and it'll cost you everything, but I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you treasure. And, you know, Jesus doesn't mean he's giving us actual money, but that he's giving us, he says, This is what life with God is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Or maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian and um, you've been a Christian for a while and it doesn't necessarily feel like you found a treasure. Maybe it doesn't feel like that. Maybe Maybe you're out again looking in other fields. Maybe you're looking for other pearls. What has happened? What's happened? What's happened? I mean, what happened if the guy goes into the field, and he sells everything, and he gets the treasure, and then, and then he just doesn't feel like it's treasure. Well, I mean, what we know from other places in the Bible, because obviously it's just a short little story that he gives, but our eyes can get distracted. We can, we can start to look at other things and go, what if there is a better field out there? What if there is a better treasure out there? What if, what if I got to keep driving past Strasbourg? Maybe, maybe there's another field. Maybe there's something else, and kind of keep looking and keep going, and then the treasure becomes distant and distant and distant. Maybe that's happened to you, and God would just invite you to come back, to, to refocus. I mean, see, what happens also is when we start to allow other things to become our treasure, then our hearts are drawn away from Jesus as the treasure. When, when we allow, so this guy buys the field, right? And he's got the treasure. But then if, if he said, I kind of want some of my stuff back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell a part of this treasure so I can go get this stuff again. Then this treasure looks less valuable. And the more we do that, the more we start to say, I kind of want a treasure over here. Whatever that is. I mean, I mentioned some of those things earlier. It can be actual things or it can just be experiences, emotional desires for success and respect and approval from other people and people to like you or or tangible things. and, And we start to go, this would be a treasure. And so then Jesus starts to look less and less and less like a treasure. Life with God starts to look less and less and less like a treasure because our eyes are no longer looking at him. And if that's where you are today, Jesus just invites you to come back. He just invites you to come back. That's it. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not too complicated. He just, I mean, he doesn't, doesn't kick you out of the field. He doesn't say, I don't want any more of you. He just invites you to come back. That's what repentance is. It's to turn away from other things and to turn towards God and to say, God, I've looked at other things as my treasure. I've gone after other things. I've been going after other fields. And he just invites you to come back. That's it. And the field's always open. This is something we have to do all the time. I mean, this is part of what church is for. This is part of what people in our lives are for to remind us of this. This is part of what the Bible is for is to have our eyes continually refocused on Jesus as treasure. So let me just close with with this. Jesus says that life with God is something that is often passed over that we miss. We're, we're looking for this joy. We're looking for this fulfillment. We're looking for this satisfaction. We're looking for it everywhere and often miss that it's in God. And that to get it, it costs us everything, but we gain everything. Okay, so that's what Jesus' point is. And, and this week, um, there's just kind of something that happened to me that, it just kind of reminded me of this story as I was working on this. And uh, I was just, I went on a walk and um, I was just kind of thinking and praying and kind of working through some thoughts for the sermon and some other things. And, and I, went on, I went on a walk and then I ended up just kind of sitting down at this park. And so I'm sitting down at this park bench and there's there was no one there. Uh, it's just middle of the day. there's a playground thing and just a little park bench. And I'm just kind of sitting there. And because I've been walking for a while and I don't like to walk, so I got tired, so I sat down. And um just to be honest with you, so I, I have a TV. I didn't sell everything for shoes, right? So I was for a TV. Um so I'm sitting down at the bench, and um, and then this little girl, probably six, maybe seven, comes, runs up, stands next to me, and says, Will you play with me? And I said, um, and I'm looking around, no. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> because where are your parents? And you probably shouldn't even be talking to me. I said, I'm a stranger. And, and she was just like, I don't have anyone to play with me. And I looked over and I could see probably 50 yards away two people on a blanket making out. And so I imagined that that was her parents or that they were going to make some children. But so <laughs> she said, Will you play with me? I said, No. I told her I was a stranger. And then I kind of felt bad, so I asked her what her name was. And then um, I kind of thought it would be funny if they, her family came here today and then I would not tell this story or tell it and look at them. But um, they, uh, they, so she told me her name. I told her my name. But I'm really, I mean, I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm nervous. I'm a man by myself in the park, and a little girl's coming up and talking to me. And her parents are far away, so they don't know if I called her over and said, hey, come talk to me, little girl, or whatever. So I'm sitting on the bench, and I told her I wouldn't play with her. And then eventually, I mean, she's standing there right next to me, talking with me. Okay, so she, then her parents call her, and, she, and I go, oh, they're calling you. So she runs over there, and then uh, she comes back, and she says, watch what I can do, and does a cartwheel in front of me, and, and she asked me again if I'd play with her, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get arrested for sitting on a bench, and then... Um, she goes up on the playground thing, and she's like, it's hot lava down there. She said it was boiling water, and I said it was hot lava. So I was kind of playing with her. And then um, from my bench, you know, she's standing up there. And then she yells out, he's coming after me! <laughs> because she's pretending that there's, like, beasts or something, you know, coming out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But her parents are still just making out, so nothing is happening. And then uh, she comes down from the thing, and she comes and hands me a flower, and says, "Here, take this. This will bring you back to me, so we can meet again." And I'm looking around again, like <laughs> I take the flower. Thank you. Do you want more? No, I'm good. I'm, I'll take this one. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, and then finally, I was just like, "Okay, I'm leaving." So I get up, and I start. To, it's a long sidewalk back and so I'm walking on the sidewalk she goes where are you going are you leaving and she comes starts walking right next to me down the sidewalk so now I am walking with a little girl leaving the park and I'm looking at her I'm like you need to get away from me I'm serious. it's like you and she's like no I want to come with you I was like you need to leave like I'm trying to not to be mean but it's like your parents I told her are going to think I'm taking you like you need to go over there do not walk in the same direction as me so she finally left, cute little girl, and I wanted to play with her. I wanted to go up, I mean, it's, I wanted to go on the slide or whatever, okay? And so here's what happened. i tell you all this. Um, if you're a parent, so you play with your children, number one. And don't let them talk to strangers, even if they're pastors, number two. Number three is, and you know, I'm probably because I was looking at this story and stuff, um, it just made my heart really sad. Because it, it illustrated to me everything that this parable is saying and what happens in our life. That we are all that little girl looking for someone to play with us, right? We're all looking for joy. We're all looking for someone just to play with us, just to have fun. We're, we're, for that little girl, that playground is life, Right, that playground is joy and status. She's not looking. At, she's she doesn't care about retirement. She doesn't care about. I mean, getting married or. I mean, she doesn't care. She just cares about. I, I. I. That's that's joy. That's fun. That's the treasure for her. Right, and 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 her parents didn't want to play with her. And that's often, I think, the picture we have of God. So it's we are wanting. Life, we're wanting joy, we're looking for that everywhere, from strangers, because we don't think we can find it with God. Because we think God is, yeah, maybe he's our, just like those parents, maybe he created us and he made us and he brought us into existence, but he's just kind of over there somewhere on his blanket. I don't know what he's doing. She said that my parents want to relax. So God's just kind of absent, over there, relaxing, doing his thing. He's not where joy is to be found. He's not where life is to be found. He's not where satisfaction is to be found. So I need to go get it from some strangers, whatever that is. And for us, that might be from success or from respect or from work or from, or from money or from relationships or from romance or from all sorts of things, right? We say, I, I want joy, I want life. And God's just kind of over on his blanket. And so I need to find it somewhere. But that's, I mean, that's not what God is like. That isn't what God is like. That is often the picture we have of God, just distant, absent, uncaring, not as fun as some stranger on the park bench. But see, the story says that life with God is like this treasure that we find, but it's even better than that. Because the truth is that it's not just this treasure in a field, but that the treasure came after us. Right? I mean, Jesus' says life with God is like this treasure that we stumble upon, upon in a field, but, but, but the reality is that God himself is the treasure and came after us. He, he didn't just sit absently on his blanket. He came at, the treasure himself came after us. And says, I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to experience life with me. I mean, Jesus is saying, life with God is like a treasure. But Jesus, I mean, for, for Jesus even to be able to speak that shows that the treasure came and said to people, come to me. Life with God is here. It's present now. Even better news than that, what we remember when we take communion is that in order for God to come after us, in order for him to give us the treasure, he had to give up everything. Like what the Bible teaches is not just that we're these good people and that God says, hey, you're really good people, come hang out with me. It says that we're all broken and we're all fallen and we're all going after other treasures and other things and other places and and that our hearts are distant from him, but that he says, no, I'm not okay with that. I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to experience the treasure of what you're made for. But in order to do that, he had to go to the cross and shed his blood and have his body broken, because that's what we deserve for our life going apart from him. And he says, no, I'm not, I'm not okay. I don't want that to happen because I want you to have the treasure of knowing me. And so he comes after us and he takes our place on the cross and he says, I want you to have everything. I want you to have me. And in order to give you that, I'll lay down my life in place of your life. Instead of you having to be cut off from God on the cross, I'll be cut off from God. Instead of you having to be cut off from joy, I'll be cut off from joy. That way I can take your place and bring you into life with me. See, Jesus says that life with God is often overlooked. It's often missed. It costs us everything, but we get everything. And Jesus did the same thing. You know that? I mean, it says uh, in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Which means that Jesus gave up everything. He sold everything. He endured the cross. Why? For the joy set before him, the treasure, which was what? Bringing us back to him. So, um, as we close this whole series what I said uh, as when we started this series was that the stories that Jesus told have the power to reorient our entire lives that Jesus told these stories to say we often look at life from the completely wrong way And tonight is kind of the sum, the final of all of that, where he says, often we look at life with God and we miss that it's a treasure. So here's my question to you. When you think about life with God, is it the treasure? When you think about Jesus, is he the absolute treasure of your life? If you're not a Christian and so you say no, I would ask you to consider what he's done for you and to think about it. That maybe Jesus is right. Maybe life with God is not what you thought it was. If you're a Christian and it doesn't feel like that, then I'd ask you as we pray and and we take communion to tell him that and just say, God, you're not my treasure. Something is off. Help, Help my eyes, help my heart to see you. I mean, we need God to make that happen. I can't, I can't, I can't like say, Jesus is the treasure and just yell it at you and you go, oh, he's the treasure. Like we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see him as the treasure. And so I would just ask you to ask him to work that into your heart. Because if what Jesus is saying is true, then he is. And if we don't feel that, means we're missing something that's been given to us that we don't have to miss. So just pray to him and ask him to do that work. Let me pray. God, you're a good father that is not absent and uh, you haven't left us to ourselves. uh, You've loved us more than we know. And I pray, God, right now that you would make your love very real to everybody in this room. I pray that right now you would um, make alive in our hearts, awaken our hearts, open our eyes to see you as treasure. Open our eyes to see you, Father, as the greatest treasure. God, I know that we can think that life with you is a burden. We can think that life with you is duty or sacrifice or all sorts of things that are not the essence. And I ask you, God, to wake up our eyes and our hearts and our minds to see you as the one that has come to invite us into treasure, to joy, to life with you, a good, loving Father. So God, do that? I can't do that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do that. And even as we sing, I pray that make that more real to our hearts And as we take communion, make that more tangible, even as we just physically eat, that you would make it something very tangible to us, that that your love for us is immeasurable, that you gave us immeasurable riches and mercy and grace and came after us. God, make that real.